This is a Capricorn FM podcast. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. You are right on time for our conversation from the Fresh Squeeze. Asking for your experiences if you've ever signed off a contract without fully understanding the T's and C's. Only for the contract to come back and bite you. And tell us the story, what happened. I, I feel like our approach to contracts is the same as manuals. <laughs> we don't read manuals. <laughs> uh, we'll figure it out. As long as the key things have been explained to you, uh, this is where the cable yeah. goes in and uh, this is where you switch on. That's As it. A, oh, I don't know, but I kind of feel like with manuals, and by the way, just, you know, for me, I, I, I go through manuals, you know, at, at least the first couple of pages. I, I, I do that. That's how bored you are. <laughs> no, but then I'm thinking with manuals, the risk maybe is a little bit lower mm-hmm. <laughs> because. Um, it doesn't really have any monetary implications unless if you damage whatever appliance or whatever it is that requires a manual. Sure. But a contract, 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 Gita. Um, hey, 30, 40, 60 pages. Aye. And why, why, why are we not open to the idea of using people who are skilled to read contracts? And help whether it's contract yeah. administrators or lawyers, Maybe we don't why pay. do we find it so difficult to do that? Maybe we don't want to pay. Yeah, but it will cost. It will likely cost you more later on than yeah. what you would have paid a legal advisor to go through your contract. And sometimes, man, if you're going to buy a car, you feel somehow without the salesperson to say, "Hang on, let me take this contract. I want someone to go over it." Like, regardless, you're being a diva or something. And the excitement also of whatever that you're acquiring, you know, whatever you're getting yourself into, that excitement. Just doesn't allow you to think straight. You just but want to sign everything. But explain it a little balloon payment. But um, there's always something called balloon payment. Right? <laughs> and, uh, once you are there uh, towards the end, you know you should be able to survive. And how do you, you know? And then you missed. You have missed that point of balloon payment, and you don't ask. What is this balloon payment? Explain it to me. Oh, you asked. You said, "Oh, Mister Salesperson, please make sure that I pay a lower amount." Lower, mm. I got you. Mm. You want lower, ne? Mm. But yeah, I want lower. Okay. This is option we have. It's called balloon payment. It might work for you. Um, you just have to worry about it towards the end of your contract. So for now, we can be able to be like, really? Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've seen all your videos and content that you put up on social media. You're very quick to sign, hey? You just write there all the excitement with the car wrapped up and you, you can't wait to remove the, the ribbon. That's yeah. all that matters. But we've got different experiences. And we're talking this morning with attorney, notary, and conveyancer at Mutsuining Bill Attorneys Incorporated, Nongulego Shodris. Good morning. Welcome to the show. How are you doing on this Monday morning? Good morning. Thank you for having me. My Monday morning is starting on a good note. We love that. And we hope the week continues the very same note. So the issue we're looking at this morning, Nongulego, ah, signing that ANC. Uh, so is it effective? If it is signed after the marriage has already been registered. Okay, so firstly, in law, definitions are very important. So if we look at the full wording of an ANC, it's actually called an anti-nuptial agreement. Anti means before time and nuptial means marriage. So that contract actually has to be signed before you enter into the marriage. And it also has to be registered uh, within three months after you have signed it. So uh, it won't be effective if you sign it after being married. You'd have to do a post-nuptial agreement hmm. um, instead. Okay. So in the instance where, you know, one of the partners sneaks it in without discussing it with you, without you understanding the terms and conditions, what exactly you are signing, 
are you saying that that in effect would be ineffective? Is it even their responsibility to explain to you? Ah. Or don't just hand you over the contract shouldn't and you must read it for yourself? <laughs> shouldn't, you, shouldn't you agree to <laughs> the content? No, Nkululego, tell us. <laughs> Well, firstly, you would be concluding this in front of a notary. So notaries actually write additional boards to being attorneys. So it would definitely have to be explained to you. But um, we need to remember that an antinatural agreement is also a contract. And there's this rule called caveat subscriptor, which means that as a signatory, you must be you must be aware when you're going to sign something because your signature indicates that you've read the terms and conditions and you actually agree to them. And some people are even sneaky to insert a clause within the contract that states that you've read the clauses, they've been explained to you and you agree and you actually waive your right to use the fact that you didn't know what was going on in future. So you actually need to be very cautious when you are signing any agreement, never mind an anti-natural contract. However, they might be saving graces. So usually we look, um, there are elements that you need to prove or need to have in place for a contract to be valid. So sometimes um, these elements are sort of argued against or debated in order to get out of the contract. Three of them tend to be capacity consensus and formality. So in relation to capacity, did you have the correct consent to enter into the agreement? For instance, um, when you're transferring a property and you're married in community of property, you actually need your spouse's consent in writing for that transaction. You can't just agree willy-nilly on your own. So they would look at capacity, was it there? Then the thing with consensus, um, that caveat subscription rule applies, but there are exceptions. For instance, if there's foul play, like fraud, duress, those kind of things. But you need to provide proof. And what are the chances when you're signing a contract that you're actually recording or collecting proof? The fact that you even sign the contract impulsively is already an indication that you might not have the requisite proof. Then the last thing, which is more of a technicality, is formality. So the law exists within a regulatory framework where there's case law, legislation. So there might be a rule in the case or a piece of legislation that contains a formality that wasn't um, complied with. And because that formality wasn't complied with, um, the person who um, is affected by the contract either has a choice to keep it going or come out, all that law will say that it's void from the start. So, yeah, but under normal circumstances, you will be bound if you sign. The fact that you don't know isn't really an excuse because lawyers exist. Sure. Let's look at the Slaker and Wife um, court case that's currently going on right now. I mean, according to your experience, how is it likely going to end? I mean, what are the best and worst case scenarios? Okay, I'm not sure if I'm going to answer in terms of worth and case, but I can tell you what the legal principles say and then what will that likely mean based on the facts in the article. Remember, when the case is going, certain facts will come about, um, so I can't really cater for that unforeseen circumstance. But according to the article, they had actually agreed to enter into a customary marriage and then he had paid Lavola. So according to the Recognition of Customary Marriages Act, there are only three requirements to enter into a customary marriage. 
you must be above 18, you must consent to the marriage. Then this last one, which has been a topical debate in many matters, it says if the marriage must be negotiated and entered into or celebrated. So that entered into or celebrated is very important. Um, there's a case that was actually released last year that discusses the customary law principles well, and it's called K.N. versus SM and another um, ZAGPGHC 498, and I think it was reported or either heard on the 17th of May 2023, right? So when it comes to this provision of being negotiated and or entered into, and entered into or celebrated, entered into qualifies when the parties actually agree to be married according to customary law. So even the fact that Lobola has been paid in full, it's either here nor there or whether the customs have been followed. As long as the parties really agreed that we're entering into customary marriage and then they went and negotiated, um, you are married, you know. So according to these provisions and this case, there's a high likelihood, and the rules of anti-nuptial contracts, there's a high likelihood that they might actually strike out the anti-nuptial contract that was entered into. Because another question that I have, was it registered at the deeds office? Remember, it has to be registered three months after, inter- after you signed the agreement, and it has to be entered into before being married. So I don't think from reading the article, those requirements were even met. Yeah. And with a post-natural agreement, you actually have to go to court and ask the court for permission to enter into the contract. You also have to show, like, did you have good reason to change your matrimonial property regime? Did you give notice to the creditors? Sure. And no person will be prejudiced by that. So mm-hmm. I didn't see a discussion of any of that in the article. Yeah. So, yeah. So in trouble. Yeah, of course. So what you're saying to us is that no matter how much I trust the person, there's nothing offish with me saying, look, let me take this contract, let me hand it over to an administrator who will go through it and then I'll come back to you. Absolutely not. I think like people struggle to understand there's you as a person and then there's finances or your estate. As much as they're interrelated, they're not the same. So when it comes to money, there always needs to be a discussion with the experts because even myself, I have a financial advisor and I'm a lawyer because I understand that my knowledge is limited in certain mm. respects. Yeah. So it would be a to actually ask and inquire. It could be the difference between saving a million rand true. or having certain deductions applying. True that, true that. Thank you so much for coming through and sharing your knowledge. Nunkuleko Shorty's attorney, notary and conviancer at Mutuning Bill Attorneys Incorporated. That was a Capricorn FM podcast. For more podcasts, visit capricornfm.co.za.